It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, here we go. Cofield and Company here on a Monday. All right, we got Monday Night Football coming up, so uh, we'll get out of the way like we always do at 5 o'clock. But we'll actually get out of the way for the World Series. World Series Game 3 will be right here on ESPN Las Vegas, Comp and Raider Nation. Comp 92.3, our sister station, and Raider Nation Radio 920 will have the uh, Raiders game tonight on the road at Detroit. In fact, coverage has already begun on Raider Nation Radio 920, so turn us off right now. If you want to hear hardcore Raiders, we'll get to the Raiders throughout the show. We're going to touch on UNLV, a lot of college football today, craziness around the National Football League, sad, sad injury news to get to. Uh, and first and foremost, we have to come out of the gates. Uh, John, are you okay? Uh, no, I mean, if we're referring to the fact that I called you in an emergency and five minutes later I got a text back, what's up, JVT? Um, no, emotionally, I'm not doing okay. Or if you're referring to the massive hangover that I had to overcome yesterday. On a, on a football Sunday, you were hungover? Oh, yeah. So Saturday night was a, a Christmas or a Christmas party. I'm in the spirit. Uh, a Halloween party. And I decided, you know what? I got my work done for Sunday. I don't really do this that often. Let's do it. Let's go hard. Hard. I'm going to sip on whiskey on the rocks all night. I'm going to introduce like two different drinking games to my buddies. We're going to go crazy. And I did. To the point where actually maybe one of our buddies' wives threw up in the Uber on the way home. Really? <laughs> all right. Impressive now, night. Impressive even more. Uber driver had vomit packs. Oh, how about wow. that? Yeah. Talk about being Johnny on the spot. Yep. So, so how did this go down? Like, hey, I might vomit. Here's a bag. I was told that she vomited, so I was not there for that. Oh, you weren't Yeah, the no. So I was just told, like, hey, by the way, because, you know, on the way home. My wife may or may not have chucked up in the car, but luckily the guy had vomit bags, so good job. Good job, oh, a Uber wow. guy. Yep. Demond, Me? You, you proud of the show? Yeah, I mean, I also had a had a nice weekend. Maybe you can't match JVT's going hard, but I went hard as well. Did you really? Yeah. I, I'm not done with my story. Okay, did, by yeah, the way, did you refrain from gambling? Oh, no, I'm up, buddy. You gambled again this weekend? I'm up. With your car in oh, tow. You didn't have Steve, your car back yet. Do you want those taquitos, Steve? Oh wow! Look, he's opening his wallet. Wow! No, the I want them. I want them. Them, I want them gradually. I got a couple of chicken rollers today. I think a fly just so, flew out of his wallet. I'm up. Yeah, <laughs> some moss. Um, I'm up to I think, uh, let's see, about eight bucks now, of the forty or so bet. But we'll, by the way, we have to get to our bet from last week about your car. If you'd have it back by two o'clock today, I didn't think so. But good. Finish your hangover story. What happened? Um, You're a young guy. I don't understand. Are you not? Well, I'm not Are you not of, doing water the whole time? No, and I'm not much of a drinker. No, you're not. You know, I'm more of an inhaler, uh, not through my nose. And so, you know, when I go out and party, not you know, it's it's more of like a you know a mellow vibe. You know, I like huh. to talk about like, hey man, I can hear my hair growing. It's crazy. You know, I like doing stuff like that, telling scary stories and getting freaked out about the, you know my existence and life and how you know for an eternity it's just going to be in a black void. And you just you talk about those things. You know, you just have those conversations. Wow. This time around, oh no. So, played beer ball for a while, beer pong, flip cup. I felt like I was in my 20s again, Steve. It was great. Private party. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Look at you. You have friends. I do. That's I was shocked. Awesome. I was actually, this is how I feel like I'm, how old I'm getting. I was honestly shocked and honored that I was invited to this party. <laughs> really? Yeah. I think I get along with everybody, but I was just like, wow, I'm part of the group. This is great. Come on, what'd you do? Uh, my buddy Rudy was in town from Texas. And he is a degenerate, so uh, I had to tag along. 
You had to. Yeah, yeah. I had to. Twist no way arm. you can say no. UNLV really saved me in a tough spot. In a tough spot. You know, I think I got him at uh, plus eight and a half. Look at this. UNLV really saved me. <laughs> Three weeks ago, Demond sending in articles about, hey, I'm not that much of a gambler. Uh, you know, what is this plus minus stuff? And now he's coming at us. <laughs> UNLV saved me. Did you get and, the Bears in game? And then, yes, and I also got Bears last night plus 22 and a half. Come on. I wish I would have did more. Man, Austin Eckler was on your side. Fumbled with, what, like about seven minutes left to get the meaningless touchdown up on the board for the Bears? There you yeah. go. Tyson, you. Tyson right. Bajan, my guy. And most important of all, uh, Demon got his car back after being without it for about ten days, and uh, apparently we're gonna have a pizza party. So fire up the oven because Demon's got a bunch of pizzas in here. Um, wow, look at how generous you are! You got two. The bet was a pizza and a no, Red Bull. No, no, no. We we on the thing we said two pizzas. That's what I put in the Google Doc. Or did it mean one for each of us? Yeah, I it meant one for each of us. Meant one for, oh, one for each. But thanks. Well, then here I'm taking one out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no. I'm gonna keep one then. I, they're not frozen. That threw me off. Um, it depends on where you go, because you're right. Uh, the one spot I went to last week, it wasn't frozen. Um, this time, I also got him two. One is frozen, and one's not so much. So he's now got four pizzas when he's supposed to get two. Three. Um, oh, well, also, <laughs> yeah, that was the deal. But also, I mean, this was the other thing I wrote down in the Google Doc. Did you not get the other one? What's up? Your two giant red Oh, they're giant. I got him a oh, small. Oh, man, he got me a small. I drink you asked for the. Did you ask for the big ones? Yeah. I didn't know I was putting out this many requests, man. I, this is just my lucky hey, day. So, so four, you three pizzas and uh, three Red Bulls of different sizes. No, two. Oh, no, three. You're right, because that other one's mine. You bought a one. I get it. No, I'm right, sorry. I apologize. Don't want to yes. be real. Hey, look. This is how the show goes. You lose a bet, you pay up. That's what happens. And you told us the car would be here in your notes, because we always exchange stories in the morning, so we knew on the way to take care of business. That's right. Now, I haven't seen this said car, so I don't know. You could be lying this entire time. There is a Prius in the parking lot. I have no idea if it's his. I did check. Because <laughs> when I was going to go get the pizzas, I was like, let me make sure the Prius is here. So it could be someone else's Prius, but I trust him. Just going to borrow a Prius for a day? Come on. Man, everything is turning up roses for Damon. You should have seen me on the blackjack table last night. Now that's Blackjack, <laughs> when it rains, bedding, pizzas, yeah. energy drinks. Next week is going to be the worst week of my life. <laughs> By the way, judging by what wow. Damon consumes... How do you not look like me? That's like well, you that's one of my biggest questions. You don't put down one of these pizzas like a whole pizza at a time, do yeah. you? Do yeah, of yeah. course. Really? What are you talking about? Well, he actually he moves and works out. I yeah. assume. So I've I've caught him a couple times on text when I think he was at the gym. Now you guys caught me in the strenuous uh, activity yesterday yeah. too. My my only movement is uh, like I've said before. When I go on the road uh, for these UNLV trips, I walk. Man. That's it. That's the whole week. One day, one, like two days of walking. You got powerful bit. calves. Um, I boy, it's uh, yeah, whatever. I gotta get in better shape. Getting thunder thighs. <laughs> I did it's not good. We did watch you bend down for something the other day. Oh, I do it. <laughs> it was quite the adventure. Did I make a noise? <laughs> yeah. No, you did something where you were squatting. I think where you pretended to do something, you like kind of squatted, and it was really, really slow. I go down real slow, and creaky, yeah. and then you kind of got up. You were like, boy, it actually <laughs> might have been just me and you in the Battleborn studio, and you were like, oh man, I gotta work on that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's bad. My back's starting to get. My back's acting up. You know, these things happen when you get you pack on the poundage. It happens. My thing's just my right knee is randomly sore at times. It's getting there. You know? Everything's getting bulky. You're also 20 years younger than me, so you better. You might want to slow down with the complaints and the aging. Shouldn't be this bad. Oh, I feel fine. Now I've got like you know some genetic disorders that I'm dealing with. But that's, um, that's for another day. Yeah, we're gonna move on. Um, <laughs> I don't care that much. Um, speaking of bloated, out of shape, and not able to bend over, mm. uh, Tyson Fury. 
I mean, he's kind of a bad body guy to begin with. How blubbery was he in this fight? And, I mean, I he didn't win Francis Ngannou, but that was a win. That's a win for MMA. That's embarrassing for boxing. And now you've got a guy, and if pe- people didn't see it, it was a split decision. Um, Ngannou got, what, one card, 95-94. The other card went 95-94 to Fury, and then I think Fury got a 96-93, so he wins a split decision. But that is horrifically embarrassing. And, like, by the way, can we go back to Fury getting all mad at Joe Rogan? Because I think Fury started, and they were talking about going into a room who's going to come out, John Jones or Fury. And we all said at the time, you're not coming out of the room, Tyson Fury. He's, if he can do MMA on you, he's got so many more weapons, you're not winning. And I love boxing, but boxing really is a, an art, a science. And if you don't do it correctly, then a big puncher can go in there and freaking take you down. Not a takedown, but knock you down. And that's what Ngannou did. And, and you know what? The other thing is, I don't think Ngannou gassed. Fury looked like the more tired guy at the end of the fight. How bad is that? So, as some- and Fury landed more punches, but he did. I thought he would peck. I thought he would peck Ngannou to death, set him up for a KO late because Ngannou would be falling over in exhaustion. Not the case. So the heavyweight champion of the world just lost to a guy who'd never boxed before. Wow. I mean, so here's my thing. I'll ask you because I didn't watch the fight. I looked at the statistics. I, I saw some of the highlights or whatever. I saw the post or like the next day pictures where Fury looked like he had like a black eye. He was all battered up. And Francis Ngannou is just Francis Ngannou looking handsome and fine. Um, the power punches, like Ngannou landed more. He threw at a higher volume. So that was what surprised me. I mean, it lasted the whole round. By all accounts, a lot of people thought Ngannou won. And looking at some of the numbers, that's what surprised me. It looked like Ngannou, from my view of not even watching it, it seemed pretty clear that he didn't gas out, that he was fine the whole time, that he arguably could have won. That's a what do you think, Devon? Should it have been power over precision? It should have been for what the fight was. But when I rewatched it, I was, oh, he is kind of landing some jabs. He is keeping them at range where right. sometimes when you watch those rounds, you're like, he landed the powerful shots. But did you see the way he, he controlled them for the other two minutes and 30 seconds? But we get so captivated right. with the, but he landed the big shot. Yeah, but he was also, he made them work to even land those shots. So Fury, he did his job, but just not that well. Yeah, but well. he did his job of I'm just gonna I'm just gonna use my jab and just stay out of the way. Well, and you hit on what for me is the takeaway. So I've always thought, right? There's a reason why these boxers won't go fight in mixed martial arts because they would get absolutely destroyed. And there's a reason why they want you to come over to boxing because they think they have a better shot. That like the, the it, they it's very they do have they a do. better shot, but it's very clear that a good mixed martial artist can come in, get ready to with their stand up game if they're skilled enough and actually go toe-to-toe with these guys. I don't think there's many. No, I don't think, I there's, think this I don't is think an absolute one outlier, and I think it's uh, – I'll still – while I want to mock on Tyson Fury, I don't think he took the fight seriously. He wasn't in shape, and got he got caught. He got caught by a big punch. He didn't lose, but if they rematch – and by the way, this is – it's actually the perfect result for Fury because now he's got even more fights lined up because at some point he'll have to rematch Ngannou. Um, the fight against Usyk, f- f- screw it. I put that off. Seriously, <laughs> don't fight the real heavyweight. Try to get you know, try to get Engano again for gigantic money. It'll be great for Francis too, the MMA guy. They can make a lot of money. Maybe Francis pulls off the upset, but now the odds are down to like minus four hundred next time around. Mm-hmm. It was minus fourteen hundred. This is a gift for Fury. I don't think he planned it that way. He didn't plan to get knocked down, but he'll be fine the next time out. I'm confident that he'll actually prep for the fight and respect the guy. And uh, he said multiple times after the fight that Engano was awkward. Yeah, he was. It was he's like- not. He's not a boxer by trade. It's like fighting. Uh, it's like playing somebody in Mortal Kombat where they don't know how to play, and you play all the time. So they're just button mashing, and you're like, I, I have no idea what to do here. 
Like, I'm so good at this game. I'm actually fluid to it. There's a proper way to do this. And then you play an eight-year-old who's just mashing all the buttons. And you're like, this is it's not the way you're supposed to play. And Come you on. end up losing. Come on. Jump in, please. I would low-kick you to death. Right? DeMond gets, <laughs> DeMond gets the, the example. I think, yeah. I think a lot of people do. I would button mash. I would have no right. idea. You would have a better shot, though, because you're so <laughs> used to fighting a certain way with people who know how to play. Sure. When all of a sudden you get some person who's just like all over the place, you're like, okay, this is odd. And I would assume it's the same connection. Or the one specialty move you can't stop. Like if you're raiding and you just do like the flying move, the flying attack, <laughs> boom, so land on your feet, flying move, the, uh, land on your feet. Oh. Kang with the, the hat or whatever it is. That's Kung Lao with the hat. Sorry. Apologize. Apologize. Come on. Get it together. By the way, even I know that. <laughs> I did see I I what you're talking about. <laughs> None. I did see Francis. Got, speaking of using the move, did he try to Superman punch Tyson He did, he did. At some point. <laughs> That's so good. Try it. Yeah, why not? Right? Try it. Oh, if you uh, would have won like that. All right, the, the, uh, stick with the cheesy segues. Will the Raiders come out fighting tonight? We'll get into that throughout the show. Um, I'm not going to say it's a desperation spot. I don't know right now what the season is for the Raiders. I don't think the Lions are an impossible team to beat. Apparently, the Raiders had a big team meeting. Everything was thrown out there, including the coaches, the players. It was fair game to go after anyone, so we'll see if that's going to be productive tonight. But on the way back, we'll get to uh, the team that actually has expectations. I never saw us talking about this this way, that we don't know what the Raiders are doing right now. Let me tell you, sitting there on the field and after the game, that UNLV-Fresno State game, they lost. And they blew it with the third quarter and the turnovers, and they couldn't punch the ball in at the end of the game. But I walked away from that game, and I'm like, you know what? They are legit candidates to potentially be in the Mountain West Conference title game. I saw enough in that game. They were the better team. They were the better team over freaking Fresno. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on a Monday. Lots of NFL to get to. Some NBA, too. I was watching uh, Lakers yesterday, Golden State, and the Rockets in between all the NFL. We'll get to the uh, changes, maybe, in the AFC West. We'll do that in the middle of the show. John Von Tobel's here. It's Cofield. DeMond as well. DeMond is now stocked with uh, four pizzas from winning more bets over the weekend. This bet was a personal bet. As long as he got his car back today by 2 o'clock, he was the big winner. So he's got food for the rest of the week. I didn't realize you do... One of these pe- – a whole pizza at a time. That's crazy. The metabolism on these on these guys. These young guys. Yeah, it takes a lot of effort, actually. Maybe there will be a semblance of one slice left, but then that's like when I wake up at 3 in the morning, I'm just going to eat it then. Sure. Healthy time to eat, right? Yeah. yeah. It's always good for you. It's a good time. Sure. All right, so where are we on the UNLV game against Fresno State? Because uh, I think a lot of people after the game were like, well, 6-2 and two start, that's pretty good. I do think it's fair with the way they've started, the competence of this coaching staff, the level of the players they have right now, to be mad. I think the bar has been raised enough to look at that game, and you had a couple mistakes in the past game that really hurt them, but for the most part, UNLV controlled the game, but the third quarter was a freaking disaster with the turnovers. A punt muff, an interception, a fumble that wasn't a fumble, but uh, apparently FS1 has no cameras there for review. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought there were some PIs that weren't called against Ricky White down the stretch. And then two different possessions where they went run heavy and they couldn't get the ball in, but they could have won that game. They could have got to overtime, but they didn't. But the third quarter was the problem. And if you're a program that is in position to win the Mountain West Conference, and I think they are legitimately a team that can run the table, I don't think they will, but you have to win that game. Too many mistakes. 
I so I think that the, and this was as somebody who has not been around the program for the last few weeks, but having been around Odom at the beginning part and understanding and listening to what he says, I think that this would be acceptable when you say that loss was unacceptable. They want to be at a place where we can actually say that about where this football program is, and I would say that's true. You can't lose that game. You can't have that third quarter. You can't go into a game, outgain your, outgain your opponent by over 100 yards, convert 50% of your third downs, and still walk out with a loss when a potential berth in a conference championship could be on the line down the road. So it's not an insult, I think, to these players. I think it's a compliment to them to sit there and say, after what we've seen this entire year in a Mountain West that looks, I don't want to say down, but pretty winnable at this point right now with the way that you've played, it's a loss that's unacceptable. And, it, and they'll learn from it. They seem like a team that has learned from its wins, oddly enough, mm-hmm. right? Like that they don't let these things happen again. So I, I think it is a reflection of where this program is at this point mm-hmm. to come out and criticize them and say, hey, look, it's a loss that's unacceptable on the road. You were in position to do this, to beat the reigning conference champion on their home field. And you couldn't get it done, and that's not acceptable. 17-7 at the half, all the momentum going into the second half, and uh, they came out, they got to stop because uh, Fresno had the ball coming out of the locker room, which is always big. They didn't score, but then turnovers, right? They muffed a punt. I mean, Jacob De Jesus, outstanding return man, he knows better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't let the ball land four yards in front of you, if that, maybe two yards in front of you. It takes that hell, you know, hellish bounce. Right on his leg. There's like six Fresno State guys to recover it. They score. Uh, Jade Maiava. I was standing with a really good view of his first interception. He had all the time in the world. Could not find a receiver. Then tried to gun one over the middle. He had the receiver, but he threw it behind him. So interception there. And then uh, Jet Thomas had a fumble where I thought he hit the ground. Mm-hmm. I thought the ball got freed after he hit the ground. But they have no. there were no cameras there. Um by the way, a pet peeve at these games, can we all be adults with the officials? What are, uh, Show like, replays. Oh, yeah. We're, everyone's like in stadium? Pay, everyone's paying big money to go out to these games. If the players and the coaches are accountable or have to be accountable for their errors, their mistakes, then the, the refs and officials should as well. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do, rush the field and beat them up? Right. Show the freaking replay. And show it more than twice over like four minutes. It's absurd. Mm-hmm. They do it all the time. It's like a hidden hidden secret. What are we doing? Because and you know they have the capabilities because they'll show replays all the time. They <laughs> they show the Jet Thomas twice, and I and I, I swear I was looking down each time. But it should be shown in in four minutes. Give us a bunch of views. Mm-hmm. Now the problem was, like I said, the uh, the cam there just weren't enough cameras there to give you a good view, and that is the downside of FS1 being out there. I don't know. If FS1 sets up differently for these games versus their bigger games, I assume they do. I mean, this is also a game where the announcers weren't there, so that's always an oddity. Uh, but, yeah, the three mistakes there. And then what do you think down the stretch where they had they had two drives? And first time down, they get a Vincent Davis run of 24 yards, and he just gets ankle tackled at the last second. By the way, that crowd in Fresno, mm-hmm. they're pretty vocal, and the sideline's really small. There were a couple of guys who were screaming at the bench, at the UNLV bench, and the UNLV players kind of got going. And Vincent Davis, the little running back at like whatever he is, 5'9, 180, he was jawing back and forth. And I'm like, man, I hope he channels as well. And that next drive was the one that he was like running like a freaking lunatic through people. He gets tackled by the ankles, four yard line. They run it three times and then they try to 
swing out to the right, and Ricky Johnson could not get free of the defensive back as I motioned what was happening. <laughs> like, his jersey was being grabbed. They didn't call it. Yep. Then they get the ball back again, and they used a lot of time. Yeah. But they almost went run exclusively. And then, you know, the shame of it, Seneca McKee, great route, destroyed the cornerback, out to my of his left, and he just he looked away too soon. He didn't look the ball. As the way uh, I think Caleb Herring described it, he he had his hands up in good position, but then the ball actually got through, hit his chest, and then you could see him looking around, yep. and he was like devastated on the field. They still had time, and then Fresno kind of baited Jaden Maiava to try to throw over the middle, and they got him. Well, and so that's why I think too, going back to what we talked about, it's why those mistakes are unacceptable because people might remember Seneca McKee dropping a pass. But if you're not making the mistakes that you're making throughout that entire game, yeah, it shouldn't matter. Then that then that drop is not remembered. Then it's it's not as impactful. Then you can come back, or you're already in a tied game, or you're already up in that situation, and and that's something where it extends the lead as opposed to puts you in a position to tie it. So I, I think when you looked at it, and I actually, I mean, I liked it. I I really enjoyed the aggressiveness of going for it on a fourth down knowing that you're going to be able to pin them back. like That was one of the questions, too. It's like, hey, in these situations. What does a field goal do? Yep, exactly. It's 31-24 but with some like coaches, 20 left. Some coaches would kick it. Some so then would. you have to get another touchdown. Yep, exactly. Some would do it. I'm like, And so like little things like that, you know, you would think it's in today's day and age it should be obvious. There are some coaches who wouldn't. So I, like, I enjoyed it. I, I thought that the decision-making was sound there, and it's just one of those games. You know, when you lose those fumbles. And, and, you know, we don't think about them, but they, the word is in there. You've already committed four turnovers, and a turnover on downs is just that. You know, it's a lost possession. Yeah. You get nothing out of it. That becomes more impactful. The turnovers change everything, too, because if they have a normal third quarter, obviously, one, Fresno doesn't have a chance to come back as quickly as they did. The defense was – I felt like they had bad uh, field position all second half. Um, yeah, I mean, what and, are we talking about? Like three scoring drives of less than 30 yards for mm-hmm. Fresno in the third quarter? And then, Surprisingly for the game, UNLV still rushed for 156. So imagine if they take care of the ball, they don't turn it over, the kind of physical wear and tear they put on the Fresno defense, and then what happens in the fourth. But, 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 yeah. you got to hold on to the ball. Can I ask you, so what was Odom's messaging? Because the, the, the second I thought immediately after this, which I thought was a fascinating dynamic, one of the things we've liked about Odom a lot was, hey, we won. Like, we played the clip after the, the, uh, the Reno win. Second half, we you know we we really scuffled it. I think it was the way he said in the second yeah, half, like yeah. you know what I mean. So the way he treated wins were almost like losses. So I was really fascinated. What was the dynamic and how he handled this treating a loss that should have been a win and how you handle it in terms of the way he's handled things this season. After the game, he took the blame on himself. Mm, uh, he did it. We'll have a story coming up where someone did not do that. Um, today he did the same. Um, I could hear just noises in the locker room but I didn't hear anything like really loud right. like ripping heads off the guys and I wouldn't expect him to do that so hey he said it he's like we're not a good enough team to turn the ball over that much we've been really good with the turnover margin this was a battle between two teams that are good in grabbing turnovers and not giving the ball away and we were on the wrong side of it and he said with Seneca McKee you know he's not the reason they lost the game and he reiterated again today that you know that kid is one of the great leaders in the program he works hard so you know they're not going to bury the guy, but uh, now I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would never expect them to to annihilate them. Now moving forward, there's a lot on the line. I mean, again, my my take out of this game is they are legit contenders to be one of the top two teams. Absolutely in the conference. Uh, you saw what happened to Wyoming. Now all of a sudden, Boise is right in the middle of this thing, um, and I'm really curious to see what happens with Fresno and Boise because Boise's in Fresno. 
I mean, the other, I'll, I'll give you the, one more thing on this. Uh, we'll, we'll hit it later on as well with a conversation with uh, Cam Oliver that I had today. Mikey Keene's not 100%. So that's another reason you're like, you got to win that game. Because they, they, they didn't get to him. They didn't, get, they didn't really make him move a whole lot. But, man, when they hit him in the second half one time, he got up and he was hobbled. And really? I forget who pointed out. Someone on the sideline pointed out the tape job on his right leg. I mean, it was he had a brace. Um, everything was a quick hitter. He couldn't really move. Although it seemed to loosen up in the second half. He got some good rollouts. But that's another reason with their quarterback hobbled and a guy who came with 15 touchdowns and four interceptions, he got four more touchdowns. Uh, you got to take advantage of that and you got to beat Fresno. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. It's Monday, lots of football to get to. We just talked about uh, UNLV's heartbreaking loss against Fresno State. They get back on the horse this weekend. Got to win this one. Had to Mexico, so we'll have all the coverage uh, throughout the week and on Saturday in another Barry Odom radio show coming up on Wednesday at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN 1100. 100.9 FM, JBT, Cofield, and Damon. NBA coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. World Series tonight. Why are you laughing? Because I'm a coward. Why? I hedged my World Series ticket. And you I did it? I haven't watched a second. <laughs> I've watched a little bit here and there. I watched a bit. Well, because the problem was Friday, the first game was awesome, obviously. Right? Back and forth affair. Adoles Garcia's doing his thing. Everybody, Seager's great. Whatever. And then game two is kind of boring. I was hammered by, like, the fourth inning. So, you know, like, I'm just... I was like, all right, well, that's fine. But then, like, it just, I'm so disappointed in myself. I should have I should have just let it ride. Should have should lived and died by every pitch. You hedged it for what, like 30%? Yeah. Okay. So, what is the rule on hedging? You have a 21-1 ticket to uh, win the title yeah. Rangers. That's personal. Whatever you want. Like, it's not a life-changing amount of money, but right. I like cash. So, I wanted to lock in some. Uh, if you have a, you know, if you want to let it ride, let it ride. Two years ago, I, I don't know if I mentioned, you guys were, this, were talking about this over the weekend. Two years ago when the Celtics made it to the NBA Finals, I had the Celtics at 66-1 to to win the NBA Finals. I let that ride. You know, I had confidence. I bet them for a reason. Ultimately didn't get there. So hedging is always personal. I think in the gambling space, people really want to hedge like a lot. Like it's always like, hey, I'm going to bet this. So maybe I can hedge it down the road. Blah, blah, blah. No, like if you're in position to do it, just let it ride, or if you want to, hedge it, just like I did. So generally, I'm a let it ride guy, but I got my eye on this uh, virtual, this VR headset, so I want to lock that in. And you're not betting the game by game at all? No. Are you surprised the the number here? Basically, a pick them? Uh, not entirely. I mean, when you look at it from the pitching perspective, the Rangers bullpen does not grade out very well. And I think there's a lot so of So if people- Scherzer goes out early, it's, it's yep. a toss-up at that point? I mean, Scherzer hasn't pitched that well. No. Well, he got pulled in the third inning, right, last time out against Houston. So, yeah, he has not been particularly well. And if that's going to be the case, then you get to a bullpen that's been insanely weak. We've got Toby Keith tickets playing Dolby Live, Park MGM, December 10th and 11th. You can get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Toby Keith at the Park MGM. Cowboy Cotton, you going to go? You like Toby Keith? Not really, no. Okay. 364-1100. Well, then we know that uh, DeMond's not going to be asking I love Toby Keith, though, Steve. Um yeah, he's pretty good. I've seen him. I've seen him perform at uh, small venues, and and uh, also a very fun guy. He lives. I think he's the drunkest guest I've ever spoken to. Oh, you know what I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> he lives. So he was at uh, the Jordan tournament one year about ten years ago. Came off the course completely hoarse and just annihilated. That's right. It's fun times. But he's a good performer. Uh, three six four eleven hundred. 
because he needs my validation, by the way. Caller 7, 364-1100. Toby Keith tickets at Park MGM. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. I just asked that turf for the big picture, trying to keep Shadur upright, healthy, and the over- The big picture, you go get new line. That's the picture. I'm going to paint it perfectly. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. What a nightmare. And this is not piling on Dion because of recent woes. This is something we said over the summer that uh, Dion is a me guy. And when you're complaining about your offensive linemen and basically threatening that they're going to be gone, I brought up the point many times. Why would O lineman? What's wrong? Wait, I thought he brought in all Louis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I thought everything was Louis that he was bringing in. No, no. Oh, he didn't, okay. he didn't have time to do it. Steve Kim is with us. John Von Tobel, Cofield. Steve, you like that? Deion Sanders uh, talking about protecting his kid, and he's like, hey, we'll just get a new lineman. Okay. Yeah, except offensive linemen are more like Samsonite, and he needs to kind of – I don't know how many blue-collar kids and are going to want to play. I, I know with the portal you could bring in quality linemen. That's what Miami's done. Two-fifths of their line are transfer portal guys. But I, I have a question, and me and Whitlock talked about this today. At what point – and this is, a, this is something that's been brought up by other coaches like Pat Narduzzi. We're already into the season. We're two-thirds of the way into the season – Look, we know how Dion's going to build this program. He's made a lot of strides. But at a certain point, don't you have to question Dion and say, hey, coach, don't you have to coach up the guys you have right now? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how that's going to play in that room. And I get it. They don't exactly have Orlando Pace out there. But there comes a point where you have to be able to manage that locker room. And if all you're doing is saying, hey, don't worry, we're going to replace these guys. I don't know. Does that make you want to run out and go through a wall for Coach Prime? Right. I mean, I completely agree. I also wonder, Steve, I don't know if you caught after they lost to Stanford, they got called for a bunch of different penalties on defense, right? You know, too many men on the field, everything like that. And they got called for a couple again against UCLA, and he keeps getting asked about these, and he's like, yeah, these kids, when they're coming off the field, they keep seeing stuff. Like, no, at some point, it's on your staff that you're not communicating properly in terms of exchanging your personnel. So it's the offensive linemen, it's the players in general. Like, at no point do you ever really hear, like, a classic coach, just a. It's on me. It might not even be on you, but you just don't hear it. I don't think that plays well at all. There are certain penalties as a coach. I believe you begrudgingly accept in weeks one and two that you try to fix. Week seven, eight, and nine, I think they're almost inexcusable. Yep. And that look, we know the flaws on that team, and they're going to fix them through the portal, or they're going to try to. The other thing that I found real interesting was he had a quarterback that was really beat up. Uh, that was taken one shot after another. And I'm just telling you, the UCLA front seven is the best I've seen in years. They have NFL guys led by Latu. And I, I just kept thinking to myself, man, he's taking a beating. And it was his own son. I, I was actually surprised he didn't pull him out. And there was this one scene of Shadur on the bench kind of slumped over. <laughs> he looked like a prize fighter that needed the towel thrown in for him. I, I just think it's really interesting. Look, the Coach Prime Colorado story was a lot of fun. It was the story of September for college football. I just wonder, though, is the thrill already gone there? For this season? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. If they make a bowl game, I think it saves it a little bit, but I'm not sure they're going to make a bowl game. So. I don't think they're going to win another game. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win another game either. Steve Kim's with us. It's brought to you by Snack Nutrition. Of course, he hosts Three Knockdown Rule. He, uh, his bread is buttered in combat sports. And Well, we had another one of those crossovers. 
MMA against boxing and the greatest heavyweight of this era. What happened? What the hell was that, Steve? You know, it's I never really bought into this all-time great talk for Tyson Fury. If you want to tell me that he's the best heavyweight of this generation, I, I think that it's certainly, um, I think, pretty valid, to be honest with you. But if you look at his resume, it's got a lot of holes, okay? He wins the title for Klitschko, then he takes two years off. And largely the bulk of his work where he gets the most amount of credit is for beating a very flawed but dangerous Deontay Wilder twice and drawing him with them once. The rest of his resume, it's not exactly murderer's row, and a large part of the credit he gets is that he has unusual athleticism because he's 6'9". But I was stunned, guys. I, I will eat a lot of crow. I'll do me a couple. I, I believe that this fight was going to be a blowout. Yeah. It was going to be one-sided. But a funny thing happened along the way as I'm watching the other two football games. Uh, we had three screens going on at my friend's house. Uh, when, I, when I saw Fury go down, I said, oh, geez, that was not in the script. And then the expected takeover with the boxing skills of Fury, I, I was absolutely stunned in the sense that it never happened. And when that bell rang, I, I said to my friend, I said, who won this fight? But I know even before then, it just felt like Ngannou was the winner tonight and Fury and boxing may have been the loser. Wow. Uh, on the Ngannou side, has he just earned himself three or four, I'm not going to call them mega fights, but certainly a rematch, but there's some other guys out there who he can fight. He's, he's due for a lot of money. If I'm him and I get other offers to fight other major heavyweights and generally the money in boxing for the participants inside the field of battle is much greater. I'm not so sure why they ever go back to MMA. You know, guys, I was actually impressed by Ngannou. Here's the thing that was fascinating to me. He actually looked like the more comfortable fighter in there on Saturday. To me, Fury looked a lot more skittish and unsure of himself. And Fury, and people say it was one punch. It really wasn't. He is, his left eye, I believe, was blackened, and I've never mm -hmm. seen Fury like that. Uh, either Fury is slipping before our eyes, and or he wasn't all that motivated and went through the motions training. Or maybe Ngannou should be given more credit for what he did. Now, I'd like to see him against more guys. Um, I don't know. It, it, that, to me, was just a very uh, bizarre performance by Tyson Fury. But I think Ngannou earned himself at least another payday or two uh, with the sweet science. The sentiment on social media was that uh, Ngannou was robbed. Did you feel that way? Uh, I thought it could have gone either way. There's actually a lot of people that felt it was a close fight that Fury edged. But if you're going to go by a point spread, uh, there's no way that Tyson Fury covered. <laughs> and, and I don't want to ever hear Tyson Fury. I, there's a lot of people that I respect that literally had Tyson Fury among the all-time greats. And I thought that was incredibly blasphemous. If, if anything productive came out of last weekend is the fact that now good men like Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis, George Foreman, and Lennox Lewis and the like, no longer have to be the smirch. <laughs> Put some respect on those names. If, uh, if I went white to white, could Jerry Cooney beat Tyson Fury? Wow, that's a great question. The, the thing about Cooney was he was never the same after the Larry Holmes fight. Right. Got into a lot of drugs and bad habits. I know he regrets that. Jerry's a great guy. Oh, he's I awesome. know he even regrets the way he handled yep the fight with Larry Holmes. But people understand one thing. I'll, I'll put it like this. Jerry Cooney, if he, the, the best version of him, I don't think would have gone the distance with Francis Ngannou. Ooh, okay. 
Does Tyson Fury now just duck Usyk the entire way now? Because I think they were supposed to fight in December, and I know he wants no parts of him now. All right, this is what I was told by someone that is associated with the Usyk camp. The original agreement was for them to fight December 23rd. <laughs> My understanding is now that the Fury camp is now asking for that fight to be sometime in February of 2024. So it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's not the worst. I believe that they have a binding contract and for each man, so before there's any talk of an Nganu Fury 2, um, Usyk believes that he has a right and an agreement signed to fight Tyson Fury for the undisputed heavyweight title. Steve Kim, three knockdown rule. Also uh, brought to you by Snack Nutrition. All right, a little more college football and some NFL as we have a few more minutes with Steve here on this uh, Monday you feel bad for Kirk Cousins? Because there's a little smattering of people out there who I don't know what their problem is. Uh, they get annoyed by the God Squatters. But uh, to me, that that's just awful to watch Kirk Cousins go down. You can actually see it pop. Um, it's going to change his career, and obviously it should change the direction of the Vikings. I feel terrible for him and the Vikings. And I'm not a Viking fan. Uh, Kirk Cousins, guys, has always been a fascinating guy with me because – in my view, he's a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. He's not elite, but he's certainly a guy that if he's your quarterback, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get steady, solid, productive play. You're always going to get 4,000 yards, good amount of touchdowns, and he's led teams in the playoffs. Many of his teams have won double digits. Now, is he, again, is he a guy that's going to lift you all the way to early February? That has not been the track record. But we have to give him some credit this year. Without Jefferson the last few weeks, he has played some of the best ball of his career. Him and Jordan Addison have become a thing. They were starting to streak. I thought maybe they could challenge Detroit, who has a loaded roster in that division. It looks like that's not going to happen. And, you know, in terms of the people that don't like him, I know one thing, his teammates seem to really rally around him. Yep. So, I mean, again, it seems to me like he's a pretty popular guy in the clubhouse, and that I will always take that word over those on social media or even in the media, because how your teammates feel about you really is a true indicator of what type of teammate you are. I want to gatekeep this. I have been pro-Kirk Cousins for so long, and now all of a sudden everybody wants to speak. Oh, speak well of my guy, huh? I've been there through thick and thin. I wanted him on the Colts. Everybody besmirched him. He deserves all of your praise, but you know what? Screw you. You had to be there since the beginning, and I was there. There he is. I love you, Kirk. Mad Dog Von Tobel. Wait, wait till Dak Prescott gets hurt again, and then all of a sudden his legacy. It's like James Dean. If you die early like a Bruce Lee, your legacy just enhances. So maybe this is the best thing that ever happened to Kirk's legacy. Just get hurt. <laughs> do the, Viking, miss me. Do the Vikings uh, just pack it in? or I mean, they could make a uh, trade where the direction of the franchise is altered and go get Kyler Murray. Okay, I wouldn't get Kyler Murray. I, I'm sorry. That that guy's more interested in playing Donkey Kong and Asteroids than being an NFL quarterback. Call, call of Duty. Wait a second. Call of Duty. What, what an old reference. Even I'm like, come on, Steve. Steve, Steve throwing, centip- <laughs> throwing centipede while you're at it. What Asteroids. Are you doing? That's centipede, awesome. uh, Arkanoid, Galaga? I mean, Breakout, or whatever the game is. Okay, I'm old. All right, whatever. But if I, here Now, wasn't Kirk on the last year of his contract? Yes. Okay, so obviously that thing to me, Kirk may have played his last game as a Minnesota Viking, unfortunately. If I'm the Vikings and I do not like what's out there, I don't want to say you tank. All I'm saying is this. This is a very strong, deep quarterback class for college football coming into the NFL draft in 2024. Yep. I'll just leave it at that. Well, but you have like 10 teams trying to trying to get one of these picks. Well, um, I'm with you on that. But yeah. again, 
I, I, does a Jacoby Brissett all of a sudden like take you to the playoffs? I mean, these guys are backups for a reason. And the problem with Kyler Murray is not only the stuff that I talked about or we referenced, that's a big contract. You really want to take that on? Um, yeah, I, I would rather do that. Like, if, if I'm the Jets right now, I'm not banking on getting a freaking top pick. I would, I'd go get my franchise quarterback, and I still believe he can be a franchise guy with the right coach. I think that people can change his attitude, but uh, we'll see if anyone pulls the trigger. Right now, I think Rossini reported that uh, the Cardinals have no interest in moving him, but I bet you if the price is right, they would do it. Well, speaking of the top quarterbacks, um, I think you were the one who retweeted this. Maybe not, but uh, I saw someone saying that they have multiple sources indicating Drake May will likely just dump out of the season. Do you believe that? And do you believe that with Caleb Williams? Should these guys be doing that? Carolina is still no. in. Carolina is still I, in I the hope race. That's not true. Sometimes I retweet things knowing that they're fake or just yeah, uh, yeah. parodies, just you know, type of chaos. Yep. But there hasn't been any indication from North Carolina, and if it was actually true, I think it'd be a much bigger story. But guys. Last I checked, and I know this with Caleb, as someone that lives in L.A., and I see him on TV in commercials, isn't he getting paid? Yep. I mean, doesn't he have NIL obligations? Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, about this. you can make an argument if these guys, in theory, were not getting anything. They're not getting a dime. They're not making any money. These poor student athletes are only getting their education paid for. Well, these guys are sometimes getting six, if not seven-figure deals, and... I'll just tell it to you guys like this. If I'm an NFL team and I need a quarterback, and, I, and there are several guys out there that I like, and if a guy just suddenly ups and says, you know what, I'm good, guys, eight games into the season and does not want to work through the adversity, is just going to bail out on his teammates, guys, I'm not saying I wouldn't draft him because maybe his talent is overwhelming, but it would be a black mark. I would actually look at that with the raised eyebrow thing. Wait, wait a minute, what if we're 3-10? and 10, and out of the playoff race. I, I don't understand this. At what point, and by the way, to the credit of Caleb Williams, he's playing. It was a media member, I think it was Emmanuel Acho that brought that up. Yeah. And I'm like, why are media members and adults even bringing this up? I don't get it. 90 seconds left, even a little less. Are you one of the guys who's kind of poo-pooing the Michigan Harbaugh thing in terms of the cheating investigation? And if you're not, what do you think the penalty should be if it turns out that they were uh, in advance of games, basically logging all the uh, signs from other teams. No, I'm not poop boy. Look, there, there, there are look sign stealing goes on. It's just like being very creative on your taxes. Uh, if, if you break too many rules and are too um, obvious about it yeah. or too flagrant, you're going to get an audit. Right? That's obviously what's happened here. Michigan has obviously gone out of bounds, and other teams have had an issue with it. And I don't know. This could be the end of Jim Harbaugh because every news story that's come out, it seems as though the walls are closing in on Harbaugh. And some of the stuff that I've seen, I'm like, ooh, yeah, that does seem out of bounds. So, you know, I I don't think this is a light story. I don't think it's just going to go away. And I get the sense there will be serious ramifications for the University of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Here he is, the Korean curmudgeon. Steve Kim, 323. Yeah, three. and proud of it. Hey, go off my lawn! Hey, anyway, sorry about that, guys. <laughs> All right, Steve. Have a good week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Three Knockdown Rule with Mario Lopez. Does that podcast. Lots of YouTube material. Again, you can find it all at Steve Kim, 323. Uh, I heard Godley talking to Jeff Schwartz and a little earlier. Schwartz was like befuddled in terms of coming up with a penalty for Harbaugh if they are guilty of doing this. On the way back, I'm going to tell you what the penalty should be. 
And it, it would be the ultimate punch right in the face of Michigan. Lack of institutional control. Your coaching staff had an elaborate scheme. You got to pay. Death.